Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion Team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season number two. It is episode number 24, Cubs opening weekend. And in this segment, our guy Crowley was out in Iowa talking to Tommy Birch of the Des Moines Register about the iCubs roster opening weekend against those Columbus Clippers. Joining me now on the fly, the W podcast, our old friend, Tommy Birch, who covers the Cubs for the Des Moines Register. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how about you? Oh, I, I had a great weekend. I'm so glad I got to see you and then Alex Cohen and the rest of the guys over at Principal Park, man. It was it was a load of fun. Yeah, I mean, you guys seem like you you had a lot more fun than I did. I was stuck up in the in the press box, but. Man, you you guys had a whole caravan of people. Yeah, we we like to travel and we like to have fun. And and you guys had that one beer stand with all the craft beers that was absolutely rocking it. Yeah, I I don't think people fully comprehend how much of a fun time Des Moines, Iowa is. I hear it from players all the time, but especially fans to come in like, man, we did not expect it to, to be like this. But even the part two, I mean, there's... One, there's not a bad scene in the house, and two, it's just a really good, fun environment, especially when it's nice out. Like, you guys didn't even get good weather. Like, if you come back for some really nice summer weather, you'll you'll really be rocking. There we go. That, that sounds like fun now. Speaking <laughs> of fun, man, th- this roster, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about for Cub fans, not just for the good times, but for the baseball, too, in Des Moines. Yeah, you've been covering Cubs teams for a little while now. How does this compare to some of the other Cubs teams that you've covered in the past? It's pretty exciting. You know, I was trying to think about the last time there was this much hype, this much excitement. Um, I would say it goes back to, I think it was 14 or 15 when we're looking at having Javi Baez, uh, Chris Bryant, and Addison Russell all in the same Iowa Cubs infield. 
You know, and then a year or two later, I think 2016 is when we had Dan Vogelbach, Albert Almora Jr., Wilson Contreras, all in the same lineup too. So those couple of years, um, <clears throat> it just seemed like everywhere you looked, there was a big-name prospect. And this year, you know, there are a lot of really good prospects too and a lot of guys who used to be prospects. You know, when you talk about guys like Morel, Velasquez, guys who aren't, quote-unquote, still prospects, but are still young guys that there's still a lot of excitement about. Um, I think that adds to the intrigue, too. So, you know, just looking at the roster right now, you know, you, you got some starting pitching, and I think that starting pitching, you know, you always want to have it, you know, close to Chicago in case you need it. Um, obviously, Cub fans know Adrian Sampson had a really good year last year, so he's a starter. Uh, Nick Nieder, the Cubs picked him up from the Marlins. Caleb Killian, you're talking about big name prospects, and then two more starters. Is it? Did they name Rowanis Elias a starter yet? Yeah, I don't think they have yet. Right now, the rotation sheets uh, TBD. So, but they may have some flexibility too when it comes to the rotation because they're scheduled to go up to St. Paul. But if you look at the weather in St. Paul, they just had seven inches of snow. So I would say there's a decent chance we may not be watching baseball um, for the Iowa Cubs on Tuesday. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, I mean, all those arms are really interesting. The bullpen arms are intriguing, too. There's a lot of really good arms. A lot of really good arms are still on the way, too. Right now, now today, you know, I was there on Friday, which was interesting. I mean, poor Adrian Sampson struggles with the long ball all season. And then the first time they give him the ball in Iowa, 40 mile hour per winds out to out to the outfield. So, you know, we know what Adrian can do, but I'm, I'm curious, Nick Nieder uh, pitched on Saturday, correct? Correct. And he didn't look too bad. He looked pretty, uh, pretty sharp at times. And then we got Caleb Killian today who, it was just not a good outing whatsoever. It was really tough conditions, you know, not, it was pretty warm out, but super windy and his command was a little bit off, but you know, when it comes to these, you know, early season starts in Des Moines, I really don't take too much into account. You know, I know kind of the conditions, I know um, just everything that goes into it where you usually aren't going to see the best out guys in their first couple of starts, you weren't going to see their best stuff early on pretty much wherever they're at, but then you throw in the conditions of a place like Des Moines where it could be cold, it could be windy, it might even be snowing at some point, then I think you kind of take the results with a grain of salt and say, okay, let's see how outing number two, three, and four go. Right. And, you know, Caleb is a guy clearly that, you know, it went from a prospect perspective, Cub fans are going to be keeping an eye on. But when we talk about pitchers, like you mentioned it a little bit before, the bullpen is really kind of, you know, where I, I, I'm sitting here looking at some of the names now. You know, you got guys that have had a little bit of experience with the Cubs in Rowan Wick and Manny Rodriguez. Um, how did Manny's velocity look this weekend to you? It looked really good. He was up into the upper 90s, I think touched 98, maybe even had a 99 in there, but usually sat 97, 98, which is a really good sign given everything he's been through. I think that's where you want to see it. And kind of going back to what I'd said before, you know, if the VLO is at that point right now, think about once it gets warm out, think about once it gets to better pitching conditions where, you know, you're probably going to be seeing more. 98, 99, 
maybe even some more hundreds too. And and I will tell you one guy that really excites me. He just had a cup of coffee with the Cubs is Jeremiah Estrada. And I got a feeling it's not going to be super long. You know, I don't know how long you guys are going to have him in Iowa, but that's a kid that he's been like I said, been on the podcast, but I just watch his stuff and it just is absolutely crazy. Yeah. He came in the other day and just looked absolutely amazing. Pounded the strike zone, had some decent velo, but just looked a part of a big leaguer. And you look at what he did last year in terms of just rapidly rising through the system and going through all the different levels he played at and getting to Chicago, like, man, that's pretty incredible. But right now he just kind of, he's kind of got that strut. He's got that confidence. He He's kind of got that moxie of a guy that looks like I belong in the major leagues. Like AAA is not where I should be. So he looks pretty good. His first outing to another guy that I thought was, um, uberly impressive too when it comes to the velo is Cam Sanders who sat kind of in the mid 90s maybe even low 90s but actually got it up to 97 um, at one point I think 97.9 um, but that'll be up there so much more when it gets warm out but didn't have his best stuff but still had a good outing and still put up zeros Hey, but when you're in the bullpen, right, those zeros are really nice. And, and you know, you got guys like Brendan Little that are that are down there and, you know, Denise Correa. Chris Clark, uh, the Mariners picked him up on Rule 5, and then we got him back, right? Yeah, and I don't believe he's in Des Moines right now, so I'm not sure where he's going to end up on a roster. But um, last time I saw it wasn't on Iowa's roster. Yeah, it's my, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, yeah, exactly where they, you know, decide to put him when he's out. But the infield looks really interesting. Uh, Sergio Alcantara, Alcantara, you know, he's had a cup of coffee. You know, all Cub fans remember David Bodie and that ultimate slam. Um, There's a couple guys, though, that I know that Cub fans are just going to kind of be paying attention to. Uh, you wrote an article about Matt Mervis, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I was there on Friday, and, and I'm like, oh, man, I cannot wait to see Matt Mervis hitting this weather. And he did not disappoint with that home run. Um, but the guy that I, I really kind of curious about is Jake Slaughter, right? Infielder. And, sure. you know, what have you seen so far out of Jake this last weekend? Yeah, he's hit the ball really well, and it's really impressive given the ideas. The guy's never played in AAA before. First time in AAA, I think he's already driven in seven runs. So he's got a good awareness of when guys are on base and what he needs to do. Puts the ball in place, had some good exit velos, so he's hit the ball hard and just looks super confident at the plate. Doesn't look overmatched, which, like I said, is very, very impressive for a guy that, you know, look, this is his first shot at uh, AAA pitching. And he's facing some really good veteran guys too you know daniel norris ended up starting i think it was uh saturday night so um it's not like he is facing guys that are in triple a for the first time he's facing guys that you know like norris who i believe has nine years of big league service time so um it's been an impressive start for him as well too yeah now you know when i look when i look at the um some of the different players on the team, as far as the outfielders, uh, th- that's where it kind of really starts to get really interesting here. Now I know people are really frustrated that Christopher Morel did not make the roster just because he is just a fan favorite. And I'm sure you could already see why people love this kid so much, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the energy, the excitement, the confidence that he plays with, like everybody can see it and you can feel it, you can feed off of it. It's exciting. I mean, I think in his first game he had, which should have been just a double, he hustled his butt and got a triple. Um, you know, we made a really nice play the other day playing third base on a on a bunny ball, a slow roller, barehanded in, made a really nice play today was in center field, almost made a really nice catch going into the wall. Um, so he's bounced all around the field. He's played really well defensively. He's hit really well so far. I think he's got a home run, a triple, a couple of singles. So he's been good um, at the plate as well. And he's just worked his butt off too. You know, the hustle. It's like I said, you know, when some of these guys come down from – Chicago in an instance like that where they know like, okay, man, I've spent a lot of time in the big leagues. You know, it would be easy not to have that sense of excitement, that sense of passion and kind of that, all that moxie that has made him a fan favorite. But he looks like a guy that's trying to play his way up to the major leagues for the first time. Not a guy that has spent half the year in the major leagues. Yeah. And, and what I try to tell people too is really like, you know, where would you like him to play to get everyday at bats? And that's really the tough sure. thing. Cause when I think of Nelson Velasquez, he was a guy, you know, you know, they're not going to give you, I remember, I think Sandberg went like one for 35 or something like that when he started his career, but they're not going to give you that much time. You know what I mean? And sure. so Nelson, I felt like he was called up and he never really got a chance to kind of get in a groove to get every day at bats. And that's really hard to come off the bench and expect these guys to hit off some of the best pitchers in the world. Yeah, and I think out of all the guys in Iowa so far this year, I think Velasquez has been the most impressive. And um, you look at it today, I think he went two for th- or went three for four, ended up being a, a triple short of the cycle. Everything he has hit has been hard. You look at his exit beat low numbers, everything has been 100 plus miles an hour, even the outs. So, it's kind of amazing to look back at Nelson Velasquez and see, like, man, how overlooked he is. I mean, one, he didn't end up winning a job um, out of opening day. I think a lot of people kind of assume, like, okay, when Suzuki went down, he would have been a candidate for the job. And I think didn't really seem to get that much of a hard look, too. Um, so I don't know if the game plan always was, like, okay, we're going to send him – down to to triple a get more experience get more at bats just kind of get him more into development mode but man he looks totally locked in right now and like i said i i, I feel like he is one of the most overlooked guys on this roster just because i think his prospect status is gone at this point but he's still young he's still talented he can do so much he's got so much pop he's got so much athleticism he's got great arm in the outfield so um, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do the rest of the time he's down here because um, it will be a matter of time before he's back up there. Yeah, and when you think about Morel, when you think about Velazquez, you know that like nobody's really claimed that right field job till Suzuki gets yeah. back. So, I mean, the opportunities there. Now, one guy that you said that, you know, when you mentioned overlooked, the one guy I always hear that gets overlooked is Darius Hill. Um, a guy that led the the minors and hits last year. And it just seems like, you know, I, I mean, 
he may not be the guy that's going to hit the 450 foot home run or throw 102 mile per hour pitch, but the guy hits at every level, everywhere he goes. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the problem too, is we talk about how important that prospect status is to have that label, you know, prospect, a guy, you know, that so many people have high hopes for. And I think part of the problem is he just doesn't have that label. I think there are high hopes for him, obviously, People in the Cubs system speak very highly of him. They're very excited about what he accomplished. But look, he's still not a prospect. He's still not a guy that they expected to probably do all the things they did last year. And he's in an outfield that is absolutely crowded right now with Brennan Davis, Christopher Morrell getting reps, Nelson Velasquez. And at some point, you're going to have Suzuki coming down on a rehab assignment, probably coming to Des Moines, also taking at-bats. So um, it really is remarkable to to think that this guy led the entire organization hitting a year ago, and right now he's just struggling to get into the lineup. But um, he's a guy that took advantage of every opportunity he had last year, raked at every level he was at, and at least put himself on the radar. Right. And, and, and you mentioned Brennan Davis and, you know, you know, number two, usually ranked prospect right now, number one, the previous year, uh, Brennan, you know, he, he's coming back from that nerve injury and he, you know, it's gotta be interesting for him because, you know, obviously they're, they got a center fielder that they're paying a lot of money for right now. And Cody Bellinger. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But there's no saying that that if Cody doesn't really do well, say for half the season or something, or if he doesn't get traded, let's say the Cubs are out of it and and and, and you know Cody's doing really well, Brennan could have a shot, you know, to kind of win that job in center field. So that's I wonder how much you know he's been thinking about that and how much that that kind of goes into his mindset, you know, being so close and kind of losing out that year in Iowa last year. Yeah, I mean it's a really tough situation for Brennan as a guy that. You know, you talk to him. He had even told me last year he writes down his goals, and one of his number one goals was, I'm going to make it to the big leagues this season. You know, he was on that trajectory to to potentially get to the big leagues last season, but had the back injury, struggled mightily when he was on the field. He did manage to salvage some of the season, but it ended up ultimately being a lost cause. But if you think about it, if he would have been healthy and just produced a little bit last season, he probably would have been in the big leagues and he probably would have gone into this season at least having a shot to win a starting spot um, in spring training. But it's just kind of it's kind of been one thing after another when it comes to Brennan Davis from injury after injury to just kind of some struggles. It seems like it's been like, man, a long, long time since we've gotten to see a healthy Brennan Davis get out there and rake. I think you you probably have to go all the way back to 2021 where, um, you know, he was fully healthy and just fully playing at his best because even by the end of the 2021 season, I think uh, 
you know, he hit home runs in his first two at bats with Iowa. But at that point in the year, like, like, man, he was kind of running on fumes by the end of the season too. So Brennan knows this is a make or break year for him in terms of what he's got to do, what he's got to show. And, um, you know, the Cubs put him on the 40 man. He's, he's got a shot to, to go with the big leagues. They want him to go out there and rake. They want him to do well. So they can at least get him up there and see what they have with him. But he's got to do it at AAA first. Uh, and, and another prospect that, that has that status, Alexander Canario. Now, I mean, he's obviously on the IL. He had that horrific injury this winter. <clears throat> but have you heard anything about him, how he's doing, You know, what's going on, or not too much? Haven't heard too much outside of he is doing some baseball activities. I don't know how serious they are, but it sounds like some at least pretty light stuff. I know the expectation is he will be back at some point this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when it is because that's a guy who, by all intents and purposes, probably would have gone out and competed for that right field job right away. Man, he was exciting in the short amount of time. We got to see him in AAA last year. Talk about a guy with all those type of tools. You know, tremendous athlete, could run, hit, field, throw, um, just had everything you could want. And, and I think you look at the season that Matt Mervis ended up having, and obviously all the attention went towards him, and he did, you know, everything and more. But, like, man, Alexander Canario was right there in terms of productivity, and I think – um, and that was a, a lot of fun to watch unfold last year. You got a great coaching staff down there. You got Marty Peavy, what, 600th victory the other day? Was that 600th uh, career victory with Iowa Cubs on Saturdays? Already, I was all time winning as manager. Um, kind of lost in the shuffle, too. He's also got the all time record for ejections as well. So, oh, look at that. He's, That's uh, nice. He's written, rewritten the entire uh, managerial record book. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. And then great to see Eric Patterson back in the system and uh, also back. John Maley is the hitting coach from 2016, the hitting coach. So, you know, he's with the Cubs for a few years, did a lot of great work. And then Ron Rion as your pitching coach. So, I just feel like there's a lot of exciting storylines happening over in, in Iowa. You know, there's just so much that you, if you go there, there's so much you could actually want to look at with different players and kind of just kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And I found the Eric Patterson thing to be uh, really interesting too. You know, he was a guy that played obviously in the Cubs system, played for the Iowa Cubs at one point was a big prospect in the system too. Ended up getting traded today. He's a guy that's been there and done that. And I think really, relates well to all the players and the really interesting thing when it comes to Ron Fallon is you hear so many guys that end up going up to Chicago and having success all the time you always hear him say RV 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 so what's what Ron Fallon is doing in Des Moines have a, a major major impact on a lot of those arms that end up going up to Chicago it's good. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, Matt Mervis, and, and I read your article today in the Des Moines register and, and I love the title, you know what I mean? You know, he's trying to prove that 2022 wasn't a fluke when you talk to Matt. I mean, you know, it, it does kind of seem like he's always overlooked by people or, or I would say maybe just kind of a lot of people have question marks about him, but he seems to, I think that kind of drives him a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think he kind of plays with the chip on his shoulder. But, I, you know, I asked him that, too. I said, um, 
you know, is that something that's really motivating you? And, you know, he is motivated to go out there and show like me and I'm a really good player. Last year wasn't a fluke, but he really doesn't give a crap what people are saying. You know, he said, I know people are going to have their, their scouting reports on me. I know people are going to have their questions. I know it's going to come from the media. It's going to come from the scouts. It's going to come from evaluators and all that type of stuff. He said, I don't care. I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. I might go out and do that. And, you know, he did that opening night with an uberly impressive, uh, debut to the season, reaching base five times, a home run, a double that nearly left the park to a couple of walks, a hit by pitch. You know, I think when it comes to Matt Mervis and you look at his career, there's just been more failure than there has been success. And part of that is um, just the little experience he's had too, where 2020, there wasn't a season um, you know, the end of his college career ended up getting canceled because of COVID-19. He re- really struggled during the 2021 season. So I think people are always kind of looking like, okay, which player is Matt Mervis? Is he that guy or is he the guy that we saw in 2022? And this is going to be his year to show that he is the guy that he was in 2022. And I think it's really hard to ignore everything that he accomplished in 22 because he did it across three different levels and never missed a beat. He stuck to his game plan. He was a guy that got on base, hit for power, and just did everything that was asked of him. So is he always going to you know, hit at that level? I don't know, but I think um, definitely the truth lies in that side of his game much more than the other part. Now, I we you know I know a lot of people were really pushing for Matt to get handed the job, but I was happy that they signed Mancini and Hosmer. Give Matt a little bit of experience, show he can do what he did in Iowa. You know, do it again in twenty twenty three, and then Hosmer's not a contract that you know you can't get rid of or anything like that. If, if Mervis can prove that he he's able to still continue to hit at the level he did last year, and it looks like that he had a pretty good relationship with the two of them during spring training. Yeah, he told me they both kind of took him under his wings. You know, Hosmer taught him a lot about playing first base. Mancini, who played for the Orioles, and Matt's from uh, Maryland, talked to him a lot about that time there. And I think Matt totally understood the situation. Like, he's a guy that had limited reps in AAA. He had to work it all the way, his way all the way up from single A, double A, triple A last year and, and really go out there and prove himself. He said – You know, he even said to me, too, like, the journey has never been easy before. It's not going to be easy when it comes to that last step. So um, I I found that super interesting as well, knowing that, like, okay, I got to go out there. I've got to earn that last spot. But um, I thought it was kind of cool what he had said about both those guys in terms of taking uh, both those guys taking him under their wing. And I think that's part of the reason why you will go out and you get an Eric Hosmer. You go out and get a Trey Mancini, not only to kind of help fill that hole until you figure out what you have with Matt Mervis. I, you know, I think in an ideal world, Matt goes out, just totally breaks in AAA, you bring him up. But look, you still got to have another guy, and I think you want a veteran guy there that's at least going to show him the ropes when he comes up and just kind of help him feel it out early on. 
Right. You know, and, and I was interested in your article because you talk a little bit, you know, spring training wasn't the greatest for Matt and he also didn't have the greatest WBC. He was with uh, team Israel in the world baseball yeah. classic, but I think that, you know, especially the WBC was probably a great learning experience for him. Sure. Yeah. Once once again, kind of being around some older guys also, going out there and really competing on a big stage too. I think that helps too, where he's not just trying to compete for a job when it comes to spring training, but also playing meaningful, important, valuable games right away. And I think that that goes a long ways in the development process too. And that, you know, I mean, I don't want to make excuses, but I mean, he, you know, again, going up three levels, playing the AFL, all that stuff. I mean, you know, you're going to have a lull here and there sooner or later. That's just baseball. And I thought it was interesting in his article where he was kind of talking about, you know, that he really started to feel that he, you know, kind of really started getting his swing towards the very end of spring training. I thought that was interesting because I heard Dansby Swanson say the same thing. And we see what he's done so far in Chicago after just an abysmal spring. He comes out and he's just raking right now for the Cubs. And now I'm wondering, too, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe Matt Mervis, same thing. You know, now all of a sudden he's starting to kind of feel it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I found that pretty interesting, too, where he said, look, I, I, by the end of spring training, I was just getting into a really good spot where I felt like my timing had kind of clicked. And it's got to be tough getting into a timing, uh, you know, situation, you know, a good timing situation during spring training where you're going from Cubs camp, you're going to the WBC. You're also kind of having to grind out opportunities for at-bats too, where you're trying to get Hosmer in, you're trying to get Mancini in as well. So, um, he's going to get every day at bats down here. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to, to do that. And it looks like even though um, the last couple of games haven't been as good as game number one, he still put some really good swings on the ball and, and works some really good at bats. So um, I would say so far this season, he's off to a really good start. Well, Tommy, you know, I'm glad you're able to hop on today because, like I said, I, I, I'm feeling that I was going to be a really fun place to watch some baseball. It isn't just in general, but this year's going to be extra special, and I'm sure you're going to be covering it like you always do for the Des Moines Register. Where can people follow you on the socials to kind of find more of these stories? And I'll, I'll make sure to link this when we release this podcast, but uh, where can they find you online to kind of keep up with what you're doing in Iowa? Yeah, I'm at Twitter at Tommy Birch, B-I-R-C-H, not the U, um, B-I-R-C-H, and Des Moines where it's where all my stories are. You can uh, hop on there, subscribe, or uh, try to get by the, the paywall when you can. <laughs> that sounds great, Tommy. You take care. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, good seeing you in Des Moines. Absolutely. We'll be back. <laughs>